Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn D- David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for Friday, December 15th, 2023. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? 10 days until Christmas. If there was ever a more perfect time to play uh, Vince Garaldi Trio's Christmas is Coming from their uh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas album, it would be now, which actually I wasn't planning this, but one of my show notes for today involved the Charlie Brown Christmas, um, so I'll just let you know what it was um, after I remind you that listener discretion is advised. When you're listening to this program, number one, we'll occasionally some language. Number two, the podcast is objectively terrible. And again, my name is Quinn. I'm the creator, producer, host, et cetera, et cetera, et al. I always wanted to use et al in writing. I I pretty much did et al when I was using APA format when I wrote my master's thesis in any papers I wrote in my uh, graduate degree program. Because it's like basically the first time you cite something that has multiple authors, you got to list them all out. But then moving forward when it happens in the rest of your paper you just have to write the first person's name alphabetically and then at all al not all et phone home space al good stuff and then then comma and then the year 1982 or whatever you cited i don't know it's not my paper Uh, And shout out to our friends in Pakistan. Thank you for listening to this program and making us the 112th ranked comedy podcast in the great nation of Pakistan, Hyderabad, Bangalore, Karachi, Khyber Pass, wherever you're listening from. Thank you. Uh, So I I was just reading, I think this was on one of my nights this week where I was sitting in my hotel room doing who knows what, watching sports on TV. (laughs) listening to a Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack, I think. Um, I'll also mention, because I had this in my show notes, it's just legendary. A couple of couple of nights I, I was in... Um, oh, there's... Gosh, there's so much here. I'll try to... Let me talk about Charlie Brown first, and then I'll just paint the... We'll, we'll do a rundown of my trip. Um, I just got back last night from Southern Illinois, which was really cool. I'll talk about it in a second here. Going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge episode, kind of all over the place. Um, we also got some archaic... Christmas words and phrases we're going to go through, ad reads. I just finished a Carrie Fisher memoir um, that we're going to have some trivia from. So there's just a, a little bit of everything going on here. But I was reading the Wikipedia article about the Charlie Brown Christmas you know, television special. And I found it really interesting. I was reading about the music. Everyone knows, you know, Vince Guaraldi, Vince Guaraldi Trio. That's his most you know famous what he's known for nowadays, Linus and Lucy, all that fun stuff. Excuse me. And I wanted to uh, uh, mention what I found. So there's controversy nowadays regarding like that actual, that music. And basically the controversy was that, you know, everyone knew that Vince Guaraldi wrote it and it was all his idea. That's not really the, the issue here. The controversy is that there's a, they are used different musicians for different Thing. So it's the Vince Guaraldi trio, but that trio consisted of Vince Guaraldi and two other people. Uh, the only other person I really know by name that's involved in that is Jerry Grinelli, uh, who has since passed away a couple years ago. He was the drummer. And essentially what I found is that there were there was one trio that did the music for the soundtrack, which is what we all listen to. There was another trio that did the music, the music for the actual special. And it's different groups of people. And then there were other studio musicians who were involved in recording. I don't, you know, I don't have a full rundown of like how they were involved, but there were like two other bassists and two other drummers listed on this Wikipedia article who have claimed to fame, essentially, you know, unknown studio musicians. I don't know their names, but so all in total, it's like Vince Guaraldi and Vince Guaraldi trio, but there's like, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six other guys involved and people, these, you know, certain musicians are like, no, that's me on, on this song that they used my instruments on, uh, you know, this track and the soundtrack, but then it was different in the, the special. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of just wild to me. You think of it and since like, well, the way I, I think of it, and I'm not into music production, but, or knowledgeable about it, I would just think like, hey, they record the soundtrack, 
that's, you know, the official soundtrack, whatever. And then they just use those tracks they recorded, you know, edited and spliced and stuff for the, uh, for the television special, but that's not actually how it works. I don't know if that was more of an old school thing or if that's still the way that things like that are done today. If you have, um, I don't know, just take, for example, I don't know, the last Star Wars they made, right? Star Wars 9. John Williams' score is what you hear in the movie. Was that recorded separately from the official soundtrack that you can buy on you know, Spotify or whatever? That's basically the equivalent that we're talking about. So interesting stuff. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I wanted to mention... I was gone this week. I was traveling, uh, took a road trip. I had, you know, a, a ton of PTO days, five to be exact, that I had to take. Actually, six. I have another one this week uh, that I had to take by the end of the year, use them or lose them days. So I waited and waited and waited and eventually decided, hey, I'm going to, uh, yeah, it was a balance. I didn't want to just like sit around here, um, you know, for five days. You know, it'd be nice, like R&R, read some books, good stuff. You know, you can like, travel around the city and stuff but I was just like you know what I want to get out and uh, explore a little bit and so it was, it was determining where to go as a balance between like not wanting to spend a ton of money but also wanting to go somewhere that was new and interesting to me so I settled on renting a car I drove down to southern Illinois I stayed in Carbondale a super eight in Carbondale which anytime that that like concept or phrase flashed in my mind i was always like this has got john candy in a john hughes movie written all over whether it's planes trains and automobiles or home alone or um uncle buck i think because that was that was john hughes as well i don't know if they have any other uh if they did any other uh work together besides those three films but it was uh it, it was it was perfectly fine it wasn't a very uh exciting super eight and that's good right if you if you walk away from the super eight motel in carbondale three nights at like 56 56 57 dollars a night and you don't have any wild crazy stories that's a that's a signature win in my book i uh, didn't really hear the neighbors and my tv worked and the bed was fine it didn't have any big uh, bed bugs in it I did do a thorough inspection before I started. So just like imagine, imagine, you know, you drive down there. It's the start of your quick trip, three, four days, and you wake up and you got like bed bug issues. It's just going to kind of dampen the whole experience. But yeah, it was a perfectly normal uh, hotel room. I could see my car from my window. So it's pretty safe and secure. But yeah, Super 8 and Carbondale has just got kind of that... 1980s feel good Christmas movie written all over, right? So I was staying. I was staying out of Carbondale. That's where uh, the main campus of Southern Illinois, <coughs> Southern Illinois University is located. There's SIUC and SIUE, which is Edwardsville, which is near uh, St. Louis. It's like a suburb southeast St. Louis uh, across the river. But um, I try and kind of chose it. It was just like you know the closest major town to. The hikes I was doing, the thing down there that that was new to me, you know, I I've never really been down that area, basically the southern tip of Illinois. And what I learned, you know, I always thought in my mind, like, okay, it's the Shawnee National Forest, that's what's down there, and that's true. But that only covers a portion. The actual national forest only covers a portion of what's going on down there, and there's just a lot of like, um, his like national historic places, national historic um, forests, you know, protected forests, state forests, state parks. There's all sorts of different designations, but it's not, it's not like all part of the <laughs> Shawnee National Forest. So I think that was what caught me off guard because I, when I committed to going down there, it wasn't like, okay, I'm definitely going to see this. I'm going to see that. I have to see this. It was all just kind of like a lot of uh, spur of the moment. I would plan out my hikes as best as I could the night before, but even then beyond that, I was like, I don't know where I'm going to drive after I finish my hike. So I drove down there Monday, got the car Monday morning. It's like a six-hour drive down there. Actually, first I went to the Garden of the Gods, which is southeast um, slash east of Carbondale by like a full hour. So I went there first, and that's the probably the most like famous, picturesque place, excuse me, um, down there. It's a really beautiful like 
rock bluff formation that has good views of uh, you know the surrounding area. It's only probably I don't know five or six miles from the Ohio River across from Kentucky, and so I went down there. I did a, a there's there's a couple different things going on there. Garden of the Gods, like the nature loop, is only like half a mile, if that. Uh, so it's very much like a touristy like go there have a picnic, bring your little kids. It's not really a hike. It's more of just like a, a nice path. So I did that second. First, I did the Indian Point Trail, which is more of just like a, you know, pretty standard forest walk, um, but with a nice like bluff um, outlook. A lot of bluffs, a lot of bluffs in Southern Illinois. Bluff B-L-U-F-F. I could start a hiking podcast down there called Call My Bluff, where I just describe different bluffs and I, I give them, give them names. Remember that, uh, that book, call me by your name with, uh, two guys, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer, whose careers have gone in drastically different directions since that film came out in, uh, whatever it was, 2017. Excellent, excellent film though, especially the peach scene. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I did the Indian Point Trail and then Garden of the Gods, like nature walk, whatever they call it, then drove, uh, to the, the Kroger, in East Carbondale, and I picked up, let's see, I got a six-pack of beer. I was very disappointed by the uh, the Kroger beer selection because I wanted something local, and they just, like, didn't have it, so I just got some Goose Island. I had to get my Pop-Tarts, brown sugar and cinnamon, best kind. Not, not you know, no, no contest. Uh, my granola bars, and then uh, a nice little can of peanuts, unsalted, for the hikes every day. And uh, so they, yeah, that was Monday, and then Tuesday. Tuesday was the big one. I was very proud of myself. There's a there's a state park just south of Carbondale called Giant City, which sounds like a discount grocery store, doesn't it? Is Giant is that a grocery store? I don't know, but Giant City, uh, maybe that's like the bodega version in Manhattan, something like that. It's like a tiny little version of it with self checkout lanes and super narrow aisles, and it's called Giant City, and everything is. Uh, supposed to be discount, but it's actually super expensive because it's Manhattan. That's my vision for Giant City, the grocery chain. But I I hiked. So there's this this state park, Giant City has a lot of like little ish hikes going on in like one mile, two miles, that sort of thing. And there's all sorts of different like terrain and landscapes. But I decided let's go for the big fish. Basically, the longest day hike in southern illinois because there's actually there's a couple different big trails down there there's there's one that's river to river which goes from the mississippi to the ohio i think it's like 120 miles long something like that so that's something that people occasionally do um you know in like a probably like two weeks a week maybe i guess a week a week would be pretty gnarly i think it's 120 miles so a week you'd have to legit be doing 25 uh, like 15 20 miles a day which it's like, yeah, you can do that once, or I could do that once, but then I would not be able to like do that many days in a row. So I guess probably like 10 days, two weeks is probably what people take for that. And then um, I also came across this, that I think it's called Tunnel Hill State Trail, something like that, and that one's pretty significant as well. I think more like 50 miles long. But So you'll see some people like, or I didn't, kind of a theme of this trip, I didn't see people, which was like nice because part of the trip was about like just disconnecting largely from uh, just a lot of stuff going on and just kind of being alone with my thoughts. But you're also just like never seeing people um, because it's, you know, middle of the week in December, not exactly like peak hiking time. Although I will take hiking in these places in December over any other month because it was still warm. It was like mid fifties, um, but you don't have to worry about bugs really or you know ticks uh anything like that even i think like the snakes which is kind of what these these parks down there are somewhat known for uh, from an animal perspective i think a lot of i don't actually know anything about the like hibernation of snakes is that a thing let's let's learn something here on the beantown podcast today do snakes hibernate because i didn't see any and there's a lot of supposedly a lot of snakes down there Oh, I, I, I've known this. Reptiles, including snakes and amphibians, brumate. There's a word for you. B-R-U-M-A-T-E over the winter. It's not hibernation. Instead, snakes stop eating as the temperature drops. Their metabolism slows down, and they look for an underground place to hide from surface temperature changes. So I'm guessing most of the copperheads and the uh, rattlesnakes, it's not like a classic rattlesnake. I think it's called like a Midwestern rattlesnake or something, but they have them there. Um 
you know, pythons, boas, king cobras, whatever kind of snakes were in Giant City and the surrounding areas. I think they were brumating, which is kind of scary because a lot of the hiking that was going on was just like walking through just, you know, completely covered forest beds, covered in leaves and lots of, you know, holes and stuff. And it's like there could have been a poisonous viper uh, and the the copperheads are actually poisonous. Um, could have been a poisonous viper, copperhead, or, you know, that snake, Ka, K-A-A, K-A-A, what is that, K-A-A, K-A-A, from Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book. Could have been, could have been anywhere. I think I just got lucky that I didn't step on a brumating snake at any point. But I think the only, uh, so some, uh, the animals I saw were largely squirrels, a couple birds here and there. I did on my... Second big hiking day, I did see what were either black vultures or turkey vultures. Really cool. Uh, Just huge wingspan flying above my head, which was kind of ominous, but it turned into nothing. So jokes on them. And then I saw a bald eagle one day and then a really nice hawk as well. I don't know my different hawk types, but uh, this was a this was a a big boy. So some, some good bird action. Nothing really in the uh, reptile department, which is fine. If I had to choose between encountering a poisonous copperhead six miles from my car and not, uh, even though it would have been a good photo, it's probably better that I did not encounter it. So my first day, I did. There's a they call the Red Cedar Trail, which basically just goes around the entire Giant City State Park. It's supposedly 12-ish miles. Um, I did that. Pros um, were that the whole trail is marked with red diamonds on the trees every, I don't know, sometimes it would be every 50 feet, sometimes it would be more like 100, 150 feet. And for the most part, I, uh, I, I, I succeeded in that trail. There's one point where you're crossing a stream, which happens many, many times, but where you basically do like, after you cross the stream, you essentially do like a 270 degree turn to keep going and the diamonds were not really present in that area and you couldn't really see the trail because kind of a theme I mentioned I didn't really see people a theme of all this hiking I did this week was that it it was not well marked at all this is not like going to you know Shenandoah National Park or you know Glacier National Park whatever and you get all these famous or not famous but well marked well traveled hiking trails these were literally like in the middle of a forest, haven't seen anyone for hours. I think the path is there, but there's also other paths that go here, that go there, whatever. So I got lost. That was the first time I got lost this week, first of many. But it was really the only time on that trail. And yeah, it's about 12 miles. There's a campground halfway on the other side of the park, so about six, seven miles in. Uh, stopped there, had my uh, my peanuts, and then kept going. It was It was good. It was nice very sweaty because you like you have to start and you start eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning it's it's pretty cold out it's in the 30s so you got to start with your winter coat on and your hat and then by the time you finish it's like early afternoon the sun's been out it's like some some days got up to 60 and so you're just like sweating your balls off but uh it's what you got to do you know you got to you got to be smart when you're hiking so that was red cedar then drove uh, to to cape girardeau I assume, you know, it's a French thing. It's Missouri. I don't know. Is it Gerardo or Girardo? I never actually asked anyone. This is kind of embarrassing because I had a rental car that had the rental plate Missouri. So if they saw me roll up in my Nissan Altima with the Missouri plates and I had to ask how to say this city's name, you'd get laughed out of town. Maybe even shot. I don't know. It's Missouri. You got to be cautious. Went down there. had some drinks uh, at a brewery and then... uh, Took a nice little picture by the Mississippi River. <laughs> East Cape Girardeau, Girardeau, however you say it, Ghirardelli chocolate, is on the other side of the Mississippi in Illinois. I, I've never seen a town quite this... I mean, I've seen some very sad towns in my travels across the country, but this is literally just... It's a town of like 400 people, which is hard to believe because they're just like aren't neighborhoods along this main road. So you're driving along the state, you know, highway, whatever it is, about to cross, you know, this beautiful bridge over the Mississippi into Missouri. The whole town is just located along this this one street. 
And I think I remember seeing a strip club that was clearly closed for about 20 years and maybe like a tractor supply thing. And then, I don't know, like one or two mobile homes. It w- I, I've seen some sad, sad towns in this country, but let's see what it looks like when you Google East Cape Girardeau, G-I, damn French, hard to pronounce, how to, hard to spell these words, G-I-R-A-R-D-E-A-U, then we'll go to images, we'll see exactly what we're seeing. Here's this one on Yelp of this uh, building, but it's, oh, it's the best, 10 best things to do near East Cape Girardeau. Yeah, this is not actually in it. If you look at the Wikipedia image they use, that gives you a pretty good, uh, yeah, you can see it. The pony, that's what it's called. Girls, girls, girls. The uh, ultimate strip joint. Some billboards. Uh, on the other side, it looks like a KFC that was closed. I see carpet corner with two Ks, K-A-R-P-E-T. Corner K O R N E R. I guess they're you know it's southern Illinois, they're just one K away. A mobile station and some more billboards. And <laughs> you guys, you gotta just go to the Wikipedia entry for East Cape Girardeau and look at this image, and you will see that it is, uh, yeah, just one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Yikes, but that bridge is nice. Here's another good image of the uh. The Pony, the ultimate strip joint. This uh, Their sign says, Xmas Party 1216, Sexy Miss Claus and St. Nick Contest. And they have a they have a company car. It's a pig. Which reminds me, I saw the, um, I saw the uh, Oscar Mayer Wintermobile in Southern Illinois when I was driving down there on Monday. So there you go, East Cape Girardeau, never forget. Uh, to, to cap things off here, Wednesday, I went to, oh, I went to the Swamp. That was kind of cool. I had seen some pictures uh, when I was researching online. So I went to, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. It's a bunch of different things that are connected in a trail system. I saw the Heron Pond, uh, Heron Pond Boardwalk, which I, you know, the whole time you're walking to this boardwalk above this this bright green swamp, and I'm thinking Monopoly. Like, how how much would this this swamp, this bayou, in uh, Southern Illinois cost in original monopoly where, you know, it wouldn't be like the last space in the board. It would be more like those light blues. What were they? Connecticut Oriental and something else. I always, I always, I think that was like the, the most popular monopoly that I ever got. Those light blues, the second one on the board, it goes dark purple, you know, Baltic Mediterranean, and then the light blues and then the, the, the jail, and then you got the other, the start of the next side is like the oranges and the greens. Is that the the furthest corner from go? And then you get free parking, which we always use as like the money jackpot. I don't think that's officially how you're supposed to play, but that's what we did. You know, your that's where your luxury tax goes or your community chest payments. And then it goes the reds, which was like Illinois, Indiana, and Kentucky. Then the yellows, Marvin Gardens, Atlantic, and uh, I don't know, Vetner or something like that. And then the greens, Pacific, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, something like that. And then, and then the blues, the light blues, Boardwalk and Park Place. So I think that I think the Heron Pond Boardwalk, um, even though it was, it was well maintained, I think this is more like a if they if they were going to introduce like a third dark purple or a fourth light blue then I think this is where Heron Pond Boardwalk would go. But it was it was interesting, you know. There wasn't a lot of, like, life going on. I was hope, I was hopeful I would see, like, a muskrat or something or a beaver um, or one of those, you know, venomous copperheads they got down there, but to no avail. And then ended up hiking around Boss Island, which is kind of just, like, surrounded by a river on one side and swamp on the other. I don't think it's an official island, but uh, Boss Island really, uh, I couldn't get a good picture of it because of the location of the sun, um, it just kind of drowned out everything else that you were looking at, but really just like the black, the little black, uh, and I don't know how to say this word, actually, I did some research online and I was trying to, it basically sounded like there are different ways to say it. And there, I, from what I could tell, there wasn't an agreed upon <coughs> pronunciation. So the, the spelling is S L O U G H. So it could be slew, slough, slough, slough. 
and I was I was doing like the YouTube thing, like how to pronounce this word. And I people were just like, oh, it's this. No, it's that. And I was watching a hiking channel and it's like pronounced it. I think he pronounced it slew, which seemed like the least uh, common way I would think of it. So I don't know. Little black slew. When I saw it at first, I was like this slough, S-L-O-U-G-H. But I don't know. It's all French stuff down there. So I hiked around there and then went up to Wildcat Bluff. Didn't see any wildcats, no lynx, no okapis, no uh, Garfield, my favorite wildcat. No uh, Boo Booey, right? Northwestern Wildcats uh, basketball. Didn't they just lose to UIC or um, Chicago State? I didn't know anyone could actually lose to Chicago State. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, that whole thing was probably about 10 miles, something like that. And the only time I got lost there, I was hiking around Boss Island, and it's it's just like a loop. So in your mind, you're just like, follow this one trail. And this was, you know, this hike, everything, the whole trail was like very wide, um, you know, easy to see, whatever, like not hard to follow. But you get to a point on like the southwest end of the loop, like halfway through it, and the paths diverge. And I'm just like thinking, well... I, there's nothing on the map that mentions the path, <clears throat> two paths starting here and, you know, a branch. So I'm just going to stay to the, you know, far left because you're just trying to like go in a, 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 a clockwise circle. Walk that, you know, walk down that another like quarter of a mile, third of a mile. And eventually this, the trail just like turns up into the forest and just like goes away, disappears. And so, and this was a theme of my trip. I'm just like kind of walking through down branches and stuff like making sure I know where I'm supposed to be in position to the sun where I'm trying to go and just being like don't think there's really a trail here so turned around took the other path and yes that was right and it's just like who who even created this other spur where were they going it just disappears in the forest there's nothing there so only other thing I saw on this uh this trail that was really cool what well, you you crossed the train tracks a couple of times I felt exactly like uh um Stephen King's Stand By Me. There's a clue for you. Stephen King. Uh, that's, that's, your, uh, that's your trivia hint for today. And we'll get to our trivia question a little bit here. We also have the palindrome of the day. We got ad reads. We got we to gotta keep this moving. But uh, across the train tracks. And then there's this really cool cabin, I guess. Uh, just a two-room cabin. It's, uh, the door is open. Uh, the, some of the like windows are shuttered. Some of them are not. Um, but it was like pretty spooky, right? Cabin in the woods kind of stuff. Um, I hadn't read about this. I hadn't seen anything about it before I got there. And so you're just like very, um, very cautiously poking around because I, you know, I don't, I haven't seen anyone on this trail, any of my trails uh, that I've hiked so far. And it's just like, there could be a, you know, a panther living in here or a bear or a crazy forest homeless man. I don't know. Um, but no, there was no one who actually lived in there. Just a two room thing, except for some bats that flew out. That was a little bit spooky. I felt like, uh, Christian Bale at the, uh, in the bottom of a well, if you will, like baby Jessica. But I was reading a little bit about it online and apparently it was like a 19th century kind of thing. And from what I read at some point there were eight people. I don't know if it was one family, but eight people living in there. It's this two room thing. Um, there was never, you know, like a electricity connected obviously or anything like that or, or gas from what I could tell. And the other thing too, is like, there was no outhouse or anything like that. So I guess back when this was a thing, they just like went into the woods and did their business and, uh, I don't know, rubbed their booties with tree bark. They could have used the, the, those Charmin bears if they were around back then to, to help. But it seems like from, again, from what I read online, that it's been like fully abandoned since the 1950s. So kind of cool. This thing's been sitting there for like 70 years and it's in pretty bad disarray, but uh, it was still there kind of between the river and the train tracks. So right on the path, kind of a cool thing to see. Um, excuse me. And then went to, uh, drove down to Paducah, excuse me, fun town to say, P-A-D-U-C-A-H uh, after that. But on my way down there, I stumbled upon a town that I never, uh, never would have uh, guessed was was there or had any knowledge of beforehand. I went through Metropolis, which is Superman's hometown. If you don't know, 
the metropolis that was in the Superman cartoons was a fictional town. They just picked the name. I don't know if they were aware of Metropolis, Illinois or what, but it wasn't based on Metropolis, Illinois. But Metropolis, the town in Illinois, the real place, actually then you know took it upon themselves to rebrand themselves as Superman's hometown retroactively. So there's a Superman statue there. And all sorts of, you know, Superman related stuff. They do the Superman annual convention there. So uh, Metropolis, Illinois, who would have who would have thought it's far south, far southern Illinois, uh, kind of by Cairo, Cairo, however they say it there. Uh, I went to Paducah and drank some beer there, had a blood orange chocolate imperial stout. And it was sublime, if I may be so bold. S-U-B-L-I-M-E. And then, uh, yeah, yesterday was my last day. And interesting thing yesterday. So I went to the Panther's Den Wilderness. No, there are not any panthers that live in southern Illinois, just venomous snakes. But they named it that because of these rock formations. And there's a lot of, like, not not full-blown caves, but just, you know, things that were apparently look like they'd be good for a panther to live in. The interesting thing that happened to me, and I believe... It's hard to remember all of the hikes in one's lifetimes, but I believe that this was the first time that I've ever gotten so lost on a, on a hike that I just had to wave the white flag and turn around. Um, basically, like at the you know fifty percent mark of this this loop, the Panther Den Loop, you're like following along this this riverbed, which is partially dry, partially not. First, you got to know where, where to cross, and I figured that out eventually. But then there's just like legit like four different paths that go up into the hills and you have to pick one of them and I know from my map I had that you know the contour map was like yes I need to be going uphill here but I tried all of them you would go up for you know a couple hundred yards you lose the trail and you're like I don't think this is right I know this is the general correct direction then you're like, okay, well, if I'm not 100% sure because it doesn't look like there's any trail here, you got to just turn back and try another one, right? Because there are many different options. And after I exhausted all of them, I was just like running out of time because I had to drive the six hours back home after that. And I just, I had to call it quits. If I had unlimited time or if I just wasn't driving back that day, I would have gone back to um, the start basically and just gone the other way around. And I'm guessing it's... Um, easier that way to actually navigate. But then I was reading on all trails afterwards and I was not, this, this made me feel a little bit better, although I'm still upset at myself, but I was definitely not the only one who could not figure it out. So yeah, Panthers Den Wilderness. If you ever go down there, uh, if you go clockwise, which is what I did, good luck when you cross the river and you got to go up into the hills because could not figure it out. And uh, I consider myself to be a decently intelligent hiker so and no phone service or anything like that so panthers and wilderness i lost otherwise had a good time and uh i'll always have the memories of the super eight in carmadale one night i got a bottle of wine and i was eating arby's like a king next night drinking some goose islands eating some fazoli's lasagna some of the worst lasagna i've ever had in my life just just garbage but you got to do what you got to do when you're chilling at the super eight in carbondale so that was my uh that was my trip down to southern illinois this week and uh, it's only 10 days till christmas so we'll do our palindrome of the day and then a little bit of trivia and we'll talk a little bit more christmas uh our trivia and then uh, we'll finish it up but today's palindrome of the day is uh, holiday-themed. So here we go. A Santa lived as a devil at NASA. Santa and Satan are always their prime for, like, uh, palindromic activity. P-A-L-I-N-D-R-O-M-I-C, palindromic activity. Here it is one more time. A Santa lived as a devil at NASA. So there you go. That is today's palindrome of the day brought to you by our good friends at Home Buyer Oregon. Are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, I got good news for you. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's... 
independent new home inspection provider with inspection services including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate's wrangle hold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector that you can trust, you got to call Steve at 541-410-0316 or visit homeprideoregon.com. Again, that's 541-410-0316 or visit homeprideoregon.com. Home Pride Oregon Inspection Perfection. Uh, speaking of perfection, imperfection, today as I uh, proofread a timeless classic, Robert Schumann's Fantasy Stuck. F- <laughs> it's, it's a fun word to say. F-A-N-T-A-S-I-E-S-T-U with some of those cool dots over them. C-K-E, Fantasy Stuck. Uh, I had played one or two of the pieces like officially in high school, learned them, memorized them, that sort of thing. But it's a it's a collection. I don't know. If you play it the way it's supposed to be played, it'll probably only take you like 20 minutes. It took me like 40 minutes. But um, great little uh, musical uh, collection there. Um, it's just like 48 pages long. Go give it a listen if you like. I'm going to do that later, and I can hear what it was actually supposed to sound like. It's tough. You know, these romantic composers – 19th century stuff, man, post-Beethoven. They get into all sorts of double flats and, uh, you know, key signatures changing at will and uh, just gets a little bit tricky. Schumann fantasy stuck. Also, our good friends at uh, Samson Q2U series, when you need crisp, clear audio quality, trust the experts at Samson. They'll give you First Kings, Second Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. I was reading the story of Esther, uh, the other day because it's Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah started on last Thursday. I think we talked about Hanukkah last week. Uh, so it's got, is today the last day of Hanukkah? Hanukkah, eight days, is that right? Uh, happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. But, uh, you know, if you're going to read, if you're going to do a, if you're going to do a reading out loud of the book of Esther, you're going to want to use a Samson Q2U series. When God speaks, he uses a Samson. I also, I had a, I had a Holy Bible in my Super 8 in Carbondale. And so I was flipping through it a little bit, mostly just out of curiosity. I was reading the, 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 the four Gospels just to try to jog my memory on like how they deal with the birth of Christ. I feel like the whole birth of Christ thing gets so much attention this time of year for obvious reason, but there's not actually that much going on in the Bible about it. Uh, kind of interesting. You know, one of the books, I think it's like uh, Mark or something by the, the books, the, the, the Mark starts and Jesus is like 47. We didn't, we skipped a lot. Um, so it's kind of interesting. By the way, just drinking water here today. An early afternoon podcast today is my last day of vacation. It's a uh, two, two ten in the afternoon here. Uh, almost sun, almost sundown. And then finally, Bob and weave, we all know the narrative narrative. That's not what my notes say. <laughs> Well, we all know how this ad read's going to go. We all we all know the hairstyle, and we all love it, but how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's a little like Enter Sandman, only different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations serving Chicago, Cook County, Chicagoland, and Northwest Indiana. From beehives to banks, faux hawks to flat tops, and everything in between, call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200 or email Cuts by Q at yahoo.com. Again, that's cuts, <clears throat> Q-U-T-Z, by Q at yahoo.com. Oh, and you need a fresh do some snappier news. Call the experts at Cuts by Q. My, my, uh, my, live, my drive was so long yesterday. found myself listening to a 90-minute concert recording of a Brian Setzer Christmas which is just too much. Brian sets her Christmas. It's fun uh, for like half an hour. And then he'll play like the eighth song. That is just some like blues progression of him singing about I'm Santa's baby for you tonight or something like that. And it's like, I think I heard this song four times already. In fact, it's so extreme. There's a certain lick he does with his guitar. And I notice in two separate songs and it's like, bro, you're doing the same lick. I'm a, I'm a big Brian Setzer fan, by the way. But he does the same lick in uh, multiple songs. Just kind of, it really adds to the feeling of you're driving in central Illinois and you see nothing but cornfields in the Effingham Cross. If you don't know what that is, Google search that. Thing's huge. I think it's the second largest cross in the world. 
Uh, and it's just like, I think I heard this lick before. I think I saw that cornfield before. Um, it turns out sometimes it's true. So there you go. But I made it. Um, let's, uh, let's jump into, uh, just a couple, we're going to wrap this quickly, but I was, I was listening to, I think it's Jingle Bells that mentions Bob, Bobtail, right? Yeah, here we go. So I have a list. This is from mentalfloss.com. This is 10. I haven't vetted this at all. We're not going to just read through the whole thing, but I'll just pick and choose what is interesting to me. Um, and you can let us know if you've, uh, maybe as I get to something and you're like, oh no, I know what that means. Quinn, you're just weird. Mental floss doesn't make sense. Uh, or mental floss is uh, behind the times on their knowledge. Uh, email us, beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's beantownpodcast at yahoo.com. And this article is from 2017. So, hey, any of those newer, you know, Justin Bieber Christmas songs, you know, maybe they have some archaic words they need explaining to. Uh, this isn't on the list, but I was always mesmerized by gold frankincense and myrrh it's like i know gold pretty straightforward frankincense just makes me think of frankenstein thinking of some like spice that was put together from the limbs of eight other spices i don't know and then myrrh is the ultimate just myrrh sounds like something you would uh we had this this flash game growing up called uh, uh mother load where you're like it's like dig dug basically you're like a miner on a foreign moon or something and you're you like progressively get more and more valuable resources the further down you drill myrrh could totally be like the third resource you come across m y r r h is that how you spell myrrh i don't even know but let's proceed here so the reason i thought of this was i was listening to jingle bells and they mentioned bobtail bells on bobtail i was like what the heck is a bobtail my first instinct was well it's a bobcat with a tail and they strung a, a a bell on it, but I don't really know. You know, there's not doesn't seem to be a lot of overlap between bobcats and Christmas. There's bobcats and uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, but not really Christmas so much. So per mentalfloss.com, bells on bobtail. Bobtail is the name of the horse. Uh, rather, sorry, but bobtail actually refers to the style of the horse's tail. A tail cut short or a tail gathered up and tied in a knot, which you sometimes see in dressage. Great word. D-R-E-S-S-A-G-E events these days. I don't know about you guys. If I have a horse, I'm never tying a knot with its tail. That'd be kind of, seems like a pretty shitty thing to do. Number two, there we got upshot. No, upsot. Not upset, upsot. U-P-S. What can Brown do for you? O-T. Apparently, this is from an often ignored verse, but the full lyric goes, uh, this is from Jingle Bells. The horse was lean and lank. Misfortune seemed his lot. I never heard this this verse before. We ran into a drifted bank, and there we got upsot. Sounds like some the, something mischievous happening in that snowbank. It means uh, <clears throat> upset or overturned. Uh, so you got why they just changed upset to upsot to fit the rhyme. That's just lazy writing. Uh, troll the ancient yuletide carol that's deck the halls actually in today's lingo this phrase gives us visions of mean people on the internet um but in the 1800s a word troll was often used with one of its now little known meetings to sing loudly and clearly so it's like toll but troll i'm finding a lot of these words if you just are like oh it sounds like this word like you're doing gre prep or something like that it's like it's actually it's actually right um pray you dutifully prime your mat and chime ye ringers I don't know what song this is going to be from. Make you beautifully rhyme, R-I-M-E, your Eve time song, ye singers. Ding dong, merrily and high. No one listens to ding dong, merrily and high anymore. That's one of those I couldn't include in my list last week. It's not so much that I hate it. It's just like we're not pilgrims anymore. So we don't have to sing ding dong, merrily and high. Uh, still through the cloven skies they come from it came upon a midnight clear. No one knows the, the, the second verse to it came upon a midnight clear. Even then, it's like, okay, uh, it came upon a midnight clear when heavenly hosts proclaim. No, I don't even know the first verse. I know the title of It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And that's pretty much where it stops for me. Uh, let's move past it. The holly bears a bark as bitter as any gale. Gall. I need my glasses. Gosh, I don't have glasses. That's a bigger problem. From the holly and the ivy. No one's thought about that song since the Clinton administration, okay? Uh, how are thy leaves so verdant? from oh christmas tree for verdant green french verd right verd Vern, Vern uh, troyer rest in peace Vern is the name of gary shandling's turtle character in over the hedge 
A lot of good uh, Vern action. And then pretend that he's Parson Brown. Oh, there's a classic from Winter Wonderland. Parson can be a word for a member of the clergy, especially a Protestant pastor. So just like uh, Father Brown, isn't he like a detective in a series of novels or something like that? Uh, I don't know. Never read it. The cattle are lowing. The poor baby wakes from away in a manger. Who needs a night? This isn't archaic. Cattle are lowing. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're deep murmurs, probably. Yeah, when a cattle goes moo, it's lowing, obviously. Everyone knows that. Um, last one here. This is from This is from a poem. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came. And so up to the housetop, the coursers, they flew from visit from St. Nicholas. A courser, okay, we're going to end on a positive note. I actually learned something. Courser is another word for a fast horse. And the author of a visit from St. Nicholas uses it to refer to reindeer as well. So there you go. The next article here is how have yourself a merry little Christmas went from morbid omen to holiday mainstay. There's a picture of uh, Judy Garland. Meet me in St. Louis. Uh, okay, let's move past this stuff. Uh, last thing here, uh, our trivia question of the week. I've just finished reading called The Prince's Diaries. Um, one of, if not the last, things that Carrie Fisher ever wrote. Ever wrote. Um, and it was largely about her just experiences on the set of Star Wars back in 1976. Filmed in London. Um, and then in Tunisia as well, but I don't think she ever had to go there. But... Uh, she was talking about, you know, this is basically like her first big thing and, and arguably her only big thing. But when she auditioned, I don't have the trivia question really built out here, but when she auditioned for Star Wars, she simultaneously in the exact same like time and space, more or less, auditioned for another film. So that's my question for you. Which other film... Besides Star Wars, did Carrie Fisher audition for? And if you'll remember, the first hint that we dropped about 20 minutes ago was Stephen King. And the second hint I'll give you is that when Carrie Fisher did her audition for Star Wars, uh, it wasn't just for director George Lucas. There was another director in the room, Brian De Palma. So there you go. If you're a, if you're a film buff like me, that'll make it pretty clear. Uh, Brian De Palma and uh, 1976. The the this film that she auditioned for uh, came out in 76. Star Wars were not was not till 1977. Probably because there's just like a million post production things you had to do um, for Star Wars. The last hint I'll give you is that it would have been uh, perfect for uh, Carrie Fisher to land this specific role. So. There you go. Those are all your hints. Uh, email us, beantownpodcast at yahoo.com if you know the answer, or you can tweet at us at beantowncast. I am at White Buns. I will have to mention something about uh, Twitter or X as we wrap up here because it's crazy. I don't have an explanation for how it happened. But the answer, the role, uh, the titular role, T-I-T-U-L-A-R, that Carrie Fisher simultaneously auditioned for, Carrie. So pretty simple answer you've never seen carrie no spoilers but uh sissy spacek got the role and uh there's some there's some some uh prom associated with it i one of those films i watched i was probably like 13 14 or something and i just like got into a lot of like you know older music albums and you know old rock and stuff eagles zeppelin and stuff but i would also watch like a lot of older uh horror movies um just because i wasn't allowed to see them you know when i was like six or seven uh, for good reason but as i got older probably like into early high school it's like I, there's all these famous movies that i gotta see so that was one of them i, I did see carrie once i never saw the remake they did with uh what's her name she the the jack uh jack donaghy's nemesis i'm gonna think of her name eventually but uh, i think it was just like a largely a shot for shot remake so um, the last thing I'll say here, what happened to me on Twitter, I was watching the, what was I even watching? Uh, where was it here? <clears throat> this is good. Good live air. Oh, I was watching Monday Night Football. So I, I got to my, my uh, motel, which was the Super 8 in Carbondale, in case you didn't know. And I, you know, I will occasionally tweet about 
um, games or things I'm watching, but not that frequently. Most of my uh, most of my Twitter is just reposts, like one or two a week. Not super exciting. I don't I don't have an explanation for why this blew up by my standards, but um, the tweet was just because uh, the so the Manning cast did both Monday Night Football games simultaneously, which was crazy. I don't know why they put two Monday Night Football games on at the exact same time, but it it happened. The Manning cast did both of them. They, they were like jumping back and forth. You had to make a gut decision when to take commercial breaks. You had guests on. It was chaotic. And if you missed it, Nate Bargatze came out, and his dad um, is also a like comedian slash uh, magician. So he brought his dad out on, and his dad was doing magic tricks. So all I said in my tweet was Manning cast with two games plus Nate Bargatze's dad doing magic is a new level of chaos. Hashtag Monday Night Football. Hashtag Manning cast. This thing became my most liked tweet of all time um even compared to like the some of the vanderpump rules uh live tweets i was doing which by the way new season out in january uh this thing came uh it's currently at 122 likes and 10 retweets and six comments i don't you know i I tweet about stuff all the time i don't think that that particular tweet was anything like crazy it was really just like a you know shooting from the hip kind of tweet that i do with some frequency, uh, but it kind of blew up. So interesting. Don't have an explanation for it, but uh, thank you for uh, following me on uh, Twitter. I'm at white buns with a Z. And uh, that just kind of unexpectedly happened this, uh, this past week. So that's what I got for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into my show. 10 days till Christmas. I hope everyone has uh, their gifts in order and I hope uh, that everyone is uh, staying warm wherever you are and, uh, you know, go out and do something crazy this weekend. Uh, Stay safe, stay sane, get that outro music queued up and uh, we'll come at you next week with our Christmas special. Everyone have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.